Hi, I'm Michelle Urbano, and this is Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidoric. Thanks for joining us. Yours is the first production uh, that involves puppetry that I've had the pleasure to talk about on the podcast. So I'm I'm excited for something a little bit different. Yes. Uh, but before we get into We Walk Among You, yes, I would like to talk a bit about Artichoke Heart Collective. Tell me a bit about the company. Uh, well, it began, I believe, three years ago. Um, me and a few fellow Humber College students got together to... Well, actually, at Humber, we, we did a short puppetry course, and a few of us thought it was really interesting. We saw a posting over the summer for a cabaret that was looking for some puppetry acts, and we said, why don't we take something that we were working on in school, kind of rework it a little bit, and present it, make 50 bucks or whatever it was, and we needed a name. So, I don't know, that's kind of where that came out of, and and uh, in our final year, we we were given the opportunity with Humber to present anything we wanted in the Theatre Passamurai backspace. And so a bunch of us said, let's do some puppetry. And we devised the piece, which is We Walk Among You, into a 15-minute bit. And after we graduated, Tijiki and I decided that we wanted to continue working on it and take it further. And so we then took that out of Humber. And since then, we've created a bunch of new works. And our collective has... We have like a few core members and throughout the years we've worked with several other people who have kind of come in and out of the projects. This is sort of returning to basically the first piece that the company was built on. Yeah, I mean we've been we've been workshopping it throughout the years. Once at uh, Puppet Monger's Fresh Ideas Festival, which actually just passed a few weeks ago, the it's a yearly festival. And uh, we brought it last year to Montreal to an international puppetry festival. And so each time it's been kind of developed a little bit more. And this past year we were very lucky to get a spot in the Cahoots Playwrights Hothouse. And we developed it into the full-length show that we're going to be presenting in the Fringe this year. That's And this is the Montreal Fringe. Yes. But before you get there, you're going to be having a couple of preview performances. Before we talk a bit more about that, though, I'm, I'm, I you mean, you sort of brought up the, the name. What, what is the story behind your, <laughs> behind your spirit vegetable? Um, well, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing, maybe. I don't know. Um, Tidge and I, at the time, were both vegetarians. Tidge still is. I... I converted back to meat eating and we were just kind of throwing some names around we needed something you know last minute and you know we, we were kind of in the vegetable world and then artichoke heart came out and we're like oh you know that has art in it and heart and choke and it's kind of i don't know interesting sounding and then it just kind of stuck Nice. There's no shame in that. <laughs> like, why, I thought, why was that embarrassing? <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds kind of, kind of, uh, Pointless, maybe. No, actually, you know, I could I could go about it and say that it's really meaningful because our mandate is about really peeling away the layers and getting to the heart yes. of, you know, what makes us human, you know, the collective human spirit. And that's kind of how you eat your artichoke and how you get to the heart of it. I'm keeping both answers, oh. by the way. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not just going to give that one. So We Walk Among You started as something different than what it is now. In a way. Yeah, it's had it's had quite the elaborate process at, at Humber when we first decided as a group of I don't know how many there were maybe eight people that we wanted to do this puppetry piece. We brainstormed some ideas about themes that we wanted to explore, and we ended up with monsters. 
and we said, we want to explore monsters through puppetry. And we sat in a room basically with a bunch of garbage and newspaper and tape and fiddled around for a few hours and came up with these creatures. And uh, Tijiki, who began as the director and still is the director, she kind of sat out and threw some, you know, adjectives at us and some intentions at us. And we improvised little scenes, putting these characters that we'd created out of this garbage together and seeing what magic happened. And after many hours of doing this, some scenes were kept and some scenes were thrown away. And and we realized we ended up in this world uh, that just got created almost by accident. It was almost fate, let's call it. And, you know, we kind of put a setting around all of these little scenes that we had. And uh, yeah, and that's that's just kind of how it worked out. And some some of the puppets are actually the original creations out of the garbage pieces. And some of them got then remade out of more durable materials and more interesting materials. But yeah, a couple of the characters are their original, original things. So, so a, a, a couple of your performers have been doing the show through all of its, <laughs> all of its iterations. Yeah. The medium of puppetry is, is a really sort of interesting way to go. I know on, on your website, I think there's a quote from Tajiki about just that, that sort of detachment. There's that slight uh, separation. Mm-hmm. I mean, not in, a, not in a highfalutin, like, Brechtian way of, we know this isn't real, but it is But it's kind of true, though. Right. I don't know. There's something about knowing, there's something about not having to convince an audience that the characters are real, that they just believe it. Uh, I think that's what puppetry gives you, you know? I feel like when, when I'm watching theater... And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, well, you know, I didn't believe that line or, you know, the this person is, you know, I, I'm trying to convince myself of the story. But for some reason with puppets, because you already know that the characters are fake. You're suspending that disbelief already. You are so much more able to do so. Mm-hmm. You just accept it because the puppets aren't trying to convince you that they're puppets. And And puppets are so simple. It only has a certain range of movement. Every movement that it can do, it does 100%. And, you know, all of the interactions are pure because, because there's, there's only one way that it can do it. And I think that's the most interesting part for me to do puppetry is that I can think in my head about what I want the puppet to be like. And then I make the puppet out of an idea I have. And then the puppet teaches me more about itself than I can ever put onto it out of my own ideas you know because I may say oh you know I want I mean I'm going to reference another show that we made I wanted this this character this man to be walking in the rain and we built this puppet out of uh, wire and it was a shadow puppet and then we, once we got it on the screen and we were working it, it it wasn't walking properly and suddenly we realized oh it's not just a man it's it's a very very old man and we you know, because it wanted to hunch just because of how it was made, because that's right. the only way it could walk. And then suddenly the story became something completely different and something so interesting and 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 magical about this old man walking in the rain by himself. So, yeah, there's there's something about the physical object that that gives you more than you may have originally imagined it could. It's interesting, especially because you're the one that's making it, too. <laughs> like yeah. It's, that it's surprising you. So, let's get into the show specifically. Okay. The title is kind of ominous. Yes. And I dig that. And you're saying it, it 
started out around the theme of monsters? Yes. Actually, it's funny because the title came before before much of the puppets did. Uh, we needed to put something in the program. And we knew we wanted it to be about monsters and how the world perceives monsters and how monsters are hidden within society. Uh, we walk among you. And now it's no longer really about that, but it's about these these wild, crazy, primal characters. But it's about how how much of these characters actually exist within us. You know, it's it's become this epic story of this this maniacal doctor in this faraway asylum and all of his crazy asylum mates. But even though it's it's a story that's so removed, it uh, you find some of yourself within it. You know those characters. You know people who are like this. You know those reactions. Those because they're so primal. Well, it's interesting in a way because it sounds like. In the, in the same way that you have the idea before you build the puppet and that it informs you, it sounds like we walk among you. You had entered that idea being uh, among you, being like next to you, whereas it sounds like it ended up being sort of like in you, mm-hmm. which is... Well, we had we had a big debate over whether, whether we wanted to keep the title when we were going to Fringe because the the story became so much richer and so much deeper and we kind of left our roots and and really entered this asylum world and we're like is it really about we walk among you anymore but it was hard to leave that title behind and and make something new based on the story you know we decided to to stay with it well, i mean and and it's the least you can do for those puppets that have <laughs> stuck it out with you yeah, along the way exactly so has the have some of the the themes then been tweaked as well in that not really i think they've just been they've really been fleshed out and 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 layered what we had created originally at humber was exploration of characters on a very surface level we created these beings and we created their reactions to the world around them we didn't give them any reason for reacting and through through the years we we built the story around these short snippets of scenes and found reasons for why all of those characters behave in all those ways that we originally discovered. And we added in a backstory and put the story into, into a bigger world. Instead of it just being these pockets of scenes, we really sewed everything together and, and gave it a strong base to stand on. So, I mean, this may be a bit of a which came first, the chicken or the egg question. Mm -hmm. But as that process took place, were the sort of plot elements driven by the characters of the puppets as you got to know those characters better? Or was it something that was more, here's an overarching theme and let's see how everybody fits in it? It's a little bit of both. We had... The characters were such strong personalities, you know, so we didn't want to take that away from them. They'd they'd really created that themselves. And originally, everything we created was done physically. It was done through movement, through ex- improvisation, exploration. And when we went to Cahoots, it was Tijiki and I sitting at a table with a script. And we'd never worked like this before, right. <laughs> you know? So, and then that's where we said okay, let's use our brains now and, and how can we how can we add to the story and make it a linear thing instead of just these bursts of action. 
And halfway through the process, we had a physical workshop of everything we'd been writing up to that point. And that was, that was awesome. We had people come in and create physically the scenes we did because we added a bunch of scenes. So we had to make sure they made sense with the puppets. So people brought the scenes to life. And, and through that workshop, we said, oh, my God, that doesn't make sense because this is what's really happening. And, you know, our minds were blown and everybody was really excited about it. And, and we were able to launch forward with the script. It's funny. It's like you're continuing to write the script once it's already been cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and kind of be like, well, this character wouldn't do that. And... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Once we took the puppets out of storage, you know, <laughs> dusted them off, they said, no, 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 I don't want to be doing this. This is this is really what's going on. Oh, and it's, it's interesting because it almost sounds like you know the motives of these puppets in a way almost better than a director might know. Like, a director might doubt an actor telling him, uh, you know, I don't think my character would do that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, there's, I guess it's that purity of the puppet being like, I'm, I'm not doing that, yeah. whether physically or, <laughs> or yeah. just the, from the emotional knowledge you have of the... It's, I'm just kind of fascinated by the psychology of that. Yeah. How many, um, how many puppeteers are involved in the Currently, we have six puppeteers. And uh, two live Foley artists with us on stage. Lovely. So have have you had some continuity in the the, the puppeteers as well? Yes. Um, actually, now only two current puppeteers in this rendition uh, are original. That would be myself and uh, Talia. So yeah, people have come and gone throughout throughout the different uh, versions of the piece. And how do you find that is then for uh, new? puppeteers getting to know these characters it's it's been really interesting this time around because we've done so much character work and now we're putting new puppeteers behind them and and they're discovering new things about the puppets and and i mean just like a character in a play the actor who plays that character is going to put a little bit of themselves into it so each actor really a part of them is going into how they play the puppet so in a previous version i may have played one of the puppets and now somebody else is doing it and although fundamentally the puppet is the same there are little things about it that are that are more like the person who is puppeteering uh than than i would have done it you know but i mean the character is still the same character it's just some little little tidbits of personality are are changing but it's it's also kind of fun to watch other performers who have never seen the piece, have never performed in the piece, discover the things that that I've known for so long, but just because I've been with the piece for so long, it's really exciting to see people discover that for themselves and know that that that's really in there. You know, it's it's really part of part of the play and part of the characters. It's not just something that that I thought the character was about. You know, right. they're they're discovering it for themselves without me telling them. And that's a lot of fun. So I understand in terms of the script, uh, the language is something that, I mean, you're, you're previewing it here in Toronto before you take it to the Montreal Fringe. Yes. But there isn't going to be a language barrier. No. That is, that's kind of the exciting part about the piece. The thing I make, think makes it the most unique is that our puppets, some of them don't speak at all, and some make sound but it's it's a it's a sound language it's not words it's gibberish i guess 
so it's it's really pure intention being expressed through movement and sound without any human language so once we go to Montreal it doesn't matter if you're francophone or anglophone you'll be able to understand what's going on and a lot of times you know you tell people oh yeah you know I'm doing this show but there's no speaking in it and they say well you're going to do an hour show with no speaking but I think that it is so rich in sound. I mean, we have live Foley artists on stage with us making the sound effects, not only for, for you know, the fork dropping on the floor, but also for some of the puppets. The sound is coming through, their vocal sound is coming through Foley. And, uh, and we have original composition uh, pre-recorded by Michelle Van Simon, who, who just did a couple of really big shows in Toronto, carried away at, uh, at Tarragon and Sister Mary's a Dyke that just opened with Cahoots Theatre. So yeah, so she's made some original music for us, and us as actors, some of us are even sounding out as the puppets. So the, the show isn't quiet by any means. It's full, full of sound, and, and these puppets, you understand what the story is. You understand what's going on just through the movement. And that's, that's what I think is the most exciting thing about our show. We don't want our show to... We want it to be completely inclusive. You know, it doesn't matter how far you went in university. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what language you speak. The fact is, is that what happens, everybody can understand. And that's what we're interested in exploring as a company is, is what, what relationships, what interactions does everybody have in the world? What can everybody in the world understand? So it's kind of fun to, to be able to do this and have people understand a one-hour show that has no words in it. Because everybody, everybody makes grunting noises in every part of the world and yeah. sighs and whatever else. I think, I think we speak more with our sounds than we do with our words. Then in terms of scripting, <laughs> is, is, it, is it more of a descriptors for the puppeteers yeah i mean it's somewhere between storybook and storyboard it's been kind of a debate for us because you know we're trying to apply for grants and stuff and it's like oh my god people are gonna be reading this (laughs) (laughs) and we're not writers we're not i mean we're not not writers we're but we're not playwrights we're not we're not you know novelists so it's part description of action and it's part description of intention uh, mixed together so sometimes it's written in the point of view of one of the characters and sometimes it's written in a kind of omnipresent voice of and then this character does this to this character and then this character leaves because they're upset you know and so yeah it's it's kind of a guide of action and intention as opposed to a script so you have two performances before in Toronto before you depart yes. uh, for Montreal. Where yes. are those taking place? They're taking place in the junction at a bar called 3030 Dundas West, which is also its address. Um, I don't know if you've ever been out west. It's at uh, Dundas West and High Park Avenue. And it's a, it's a little uh, local bar that has a stage out back, and they often have... Um, you know, bands play or DJs play. And even recently, just the other night, um, there's a, the Toronto Puppetry Collective does a series called Puppet All Sorts. And it's usually for 
for children's shows, but they did an adult only night and they had it there at 3030 the other night. And so I think they're going to start performing there as well. It's interesting. I mean, I didn't even know there was a there was a puppet community in Toronto. Huge puppet community, and it's kind of all in the West End, except for Puppet Mongers, which is located in the East End. But um, yeah, what the, what's the puppet scene like in Toronto? It's it's a little weak. It's getting stronger. The fact that this Toronto puppetry collective exists is a testament to that. But I feel like there are a few established companies you know shadowland clay and paper puppet mongers and then there's this gap this generation gap and then there's a few companies like us like dutch uncle like clunk who are starting to figure it out you know and and i feel like in montreal there's a huge community and everyone's really interested and they do big festivals and stuff and in toronto it's just beginning you know i don't know if like what happened between the years of, you know, Puppet Monger's prime and, and now. Um, but I also think that things like The Lion King and Warhorse are helping that help happen. You know, people are starting to be more interested in, in puppetry. Um, sort of like broadening the definition too, because I think... I think the average person, when they think of puppets, exactly. You're, you're now making a sock hand <laughs> kind of gesture. Uh, well, that's... Gesture. When I tell people I do puppetry, the first thing they ask is, is it this kind of puppet, like, like the sock mask. puppet, yeah. or is it a marionette strings? Right. Um, and, I, and I'm like, no, we just kind of move stuff around and make voices. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, we kind of coined our own term which is embodied puppetry um which is you know the performer's body and the puppet's body moving together um but i don't even know that there's i mean it's kind of based on on uh, bunraku kind of sort of i don't know um yeah there's not really there's not really a a term for yet an acknowledgement in in the wider toronto theater community that it really exists Artistry Art Collective is on the cutting edge. Yeah, that's right. I like it. Well, and, and we hope to not only be thought of as a puppetry company, you know? We create theater, and we want to bridge the gap between this, like, tiny puppetry community that doesn't get involved with anything else and and the Toronto theater scene. We want we want to, to be seen in all circles. We've been doing a lot of a lot of cabaret kind of things. I mean, this is our first full-length piece. The longest we've ever performed before is 20 minutes. And that has been beyond just small puppetry events. Um, we did a, a, a festival on the island, the New Traditions Festival, last summer. And um, I'm trying to think. We did a small uh, street performance in collaboration with Theatre Pass Marais Beyond the Walls program. But... Nothing, I mean, we've never rented a venue and put on our show, you know, this is, I feel like this, what we're doing now is kind of the beginning of that stage of our company's development. Are there, are there any thoughts to come back triumphant to Toronto? <laughs> that's the goal, full, right? I like it. I like I, that's it. goal. I mean, we've, we've applied to next stage festivals, so hopefully that, that'll work out for us. And I mean, really, we're all Toronto artists, so... Going to Montreal is, is, I mean, yes, it's it's a production and it's our first big production, but it's almost like like uh, 
a trial period. It's almost like a workshop, right? We're going out there. We're going to test it out in front of an audience for the first time. And then we're going to come home. And I would love to be able to bring it back to our people, you know, back to our community and say, this is what we learned. We fixed a couple of things. Now we're really ready for you. I mean, that's the the old Hollywood model, too, of like the test audience in small markets. Yeah. And then you bring it to the big uh, wide release uh, movie theaters. So it's exactly. So, you know, and then Mervish picks us up and maybe make puppets not out of garbage. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is is that what makes them monstrous? They've been rejected by society. They've been tossed on the heap. (laughs) Maybe a little bit. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining me. And, uh, Looking forward to We Walk Among You uh, on June 9th and 10th at 3030 Dundas West. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.